Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. Not except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Just don't go set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with it because we've got actual football to talk about, sort of. Uh, spring practice started for the Longhorns this week. You gotta, Rodby, you gotta get those pesky t-shirt and shorts workouts out of the way first. Yeah, then NCAA gets in the way of real football being played, but there will be real football in the, ne- in, yes. in the coming weeks. In the very near future. Yeah. Uh, but did get to see a little bit of the Longhorns in the first spring practice. We'll talk about that on the show this week. And uh, many more topics relating to uh, burnt orange matters on the gridiron here on Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Let me go ahead and bring in the rest of the team because uh, we got some stuff to get to at the top. Uh, he is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, no longer the man behind the glass, but the man who sits Right across from me, but still at the controls, nonetheless doing a great job, Matt Butler. Matt, what's up, man? Oh, actually, uh, you came in here were telling me about uh, your last week as being a little father, but I was talking to you about enjoying this city now that we got this bomber out of the place. Man. Yeah, that was one of the things I was going to touch on, so let's go ahead and get that out of the way. <laughs> it's crazy, uh, man. Insane th- stuff. Thoughts are with everybody Insane. obviously affected by uh, by the bombings here in and around Austin the last, uh, what, about yeah. the last month? Three it's basically last three Since weeks. Since March 2nd. Yeah. It's March basically been 20, 12. I think it's been like 20, 20 to 21 days or something like that, 20 yeah. days or something. Um, yeah. But uh, major, major, major kudos doesn't even do justice to uh, yeah. APD, the ATF, the FBI, everybody working yeah. hard at that. And it's great to see local businesses, and I retweeted them today, uh, Ironworks is actually offering free meals to uh, any of those first responders. Yeah. If you're APD, ATF, FBI, and you want a free meal, go to Ironworks. That is the very least us as a community can do. Got to say uh, thank you, the man. The job that, uh, yeah. that those people have done. Those they stepped folks. up. Yeah, no Absolutely. question about it. Um, so matters, things, things are uh, getting back to normal a little bit here. It's a beautiful day here. Dell match play starts today at the Austin Country Club. Yep. Good weather. It's beautiful. The You know, I love uh, being a part of the Austin Radio Network and 104.9 The Horn because at the old studio we were kind of – we're the redheaded stepchild, and yeah. we were kind of in the cubicle in the middle. You're in the bunker, man. Uh, no yeah. windows, no yeah. light. No windows. It's the like, shagging-crusted yeah. confines like Hitler's last days, man. You're like in the Rod, bunkers. And, have, you, have you guys, yeah. your listeners, noticed how Rod B and I sound a little less crusty now? now yeah. That no, it is. <laughs> we got crazy. some sunlight, and we've got Beautiful. some good natural sunlight overlooking yeah. 360. It's, it's mid-March, so everything is real green. Uh, good, good stuff. Good stuff yeah. to talk about uh, with all, all that out of the way. Um, the third member of our team. Uh, our lockdown corner here on the show. Uh, he can talk about green belts and greens and springtime and 
other sorts of greens if you it's catch true. them on the right day. Uh, like that, Lifetime like Longhorn, that. 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he had his T-ring, which currently does not, he would wear it proudly. I'm going to get it. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Mr. Rod Babers. And, Rod, I want to start off uh, with a little off-topic discussion. Let's do uh, it. Because i gotta, I got to roast you and Matt real quick. Uh-oh. Now, we had a conversation. Uh, this was a few months ago. By the way, this is episode 28, I believe, of the reincarnation of Longhorn oh, Blitz. And uh, I don't know if, I hate. I don't know if this that. is uh, – if this, if this topic we approached happened in the previous incarnation of the Blitz when we were at the old studio or here. But nevertheless – I talked about how I like to sleep with a humidifier next to the bed. It helps me yeah. breathe a little easier, and I use the term vaporizer. Mm-hmm. And both <laughs> oh, of you guys yeah. gave me grief for using the term vaporizer. Well, Rod, true. yeah, I was in the baby. You know, with, I know when, what you're talking when about. You have a, when, when you <laughs> I have, use a vaporizer before I go to sleep too. <laughs> when you have a, when you have a baby, you often venture to the baby aisle or whatever store you're at. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were at the baby aisle at, at the baby store. And, Rod, I want you to look at this product Uh-oh. I found, and I want you to read what that says on the box, please. Oh, yeah. it, it says, warm steam vaporizer, pure steam provides relief from cough, cold, and flu symptoms. Okay. There well, you go. I was not a talking synonym. out of my arse. Right, there you go. But it's just normally when you're talking about babies and vaporizers, a- those wouldn't be two <laughs> that you would, like, merge. I think they – okay, so that's a good point. Maybe because they have the same, like, scientific, like, uh, function. you know, yes. function. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That kind of thing. You By technicalities, I mean? Method, whatever, it is, yeah. but, uh, yeah. It still vapes things, but they're, they're more popular – Vapes, correct out there. Correct. It also you know probably I mean? just shows you yeah. you're a creature of your environment and what you're familiar and who you hang around. So if you're around a lot of babies, then you may also be around some vaporizers, or you may be around Depend- vaporizers other ways. There you go. I agree with that too, gentlemen. I've learned about products in the there last few weeks that I had no idea existed. Uh, like butt what? paste being one of them. <laughs> butt paste. I've seen that. Yes. Butt paste is a thing. Instead of baby powder, you use the butt paste. They call it butt paste. They didn't find a better word to describe no, it. On the tube, is it I literally? Love it. Hold up, hold up. Oh, is that this? Okay, is it like? Is it like Kleenex? Where people say Kleenex and they actually mean like, uh, you know, what I mean like, uh, like some tissue to wipe your nose. And now it's become no, it is called, the actual it is, term for it. It is called. Or is that is, like the actual like paste. marketing brand is it, butt. Paste. It's a brand. It's Boudreaux's butt paste. You Boudreaux's, buy, yeah. You can buy like A and D ointment, and there's other. Things, I've seen but that it, works man. The best. Whoa, Matt knows whoa, what I'm talking about. Whoa, I've seen uh, Boudreaux's. That could be something in Dreamers, or that that could also be like a favorite. That could be no. something in Dreamers, or that could be <laughs> something in the Baby Owl. Yes. Boudreaux's butt paste. Yes. What is it? Sort of gives you a portal into your own mind, and you can interpret it how you would like. Wow. Yeah. It's the same way I've heard a, I know uh, a lot of fathers. Nobody's ever told me about the Boudreaux's butt paste. Is it a new technology? Is it a new? It's uh. Is it like brand know. new to the market? Is it like Man, cutting edge? Fairly new. I've I've, I've only years. heard you about heard it the last paste? few years. Just I saw it at the store and I was like, "What is Boudreaux's butt paste?" Yes, <laughs> and it's the same thing that butt wipes are becoming very much more. Do they call modern. them butt wipes or are they, are they just wipes? They're just wipes. But yes, 
see? But no, there no, you, go. you would just call it no live mean? ads, man. I'm what, saying what? ESPN Radio for months has been advertising and butt wipes, and they say butt wipes. They, so they couldn't it's find absurd. a better term than butt paste. No, I think it's because else. how else are you going to get butt paste to talk about you unless you call it butt paste? <laughs> We're talking about it right now because it's only called butt paste. It's for, Why is Boudreaux though? That's like the alliteration. It's for, they try to get the alliteration. Yeah, Boudreaux's taking advantage. <laughs> It's for no nothing first time dads like me, Rod B, that might need to make a run to the store. Boudreaux sounds like a backwards buddy. Get the butt paste. Like, what's it called? She's like, look on the tube. It says butt paste. You can't miss it. It says butt paste. So does it say butt wipes too? We gotta look this up. Yeah, we can look them up. These people, they should. They pay companies. Maybe that's why they do it. Like you said, maybe that's the genius. Yeah, the marketing. Because then then we're actually talking talking about. about We're actually talking about butt butt. It's we don't like, even know what it does. It's like a college. It's like a college athletic department hiring a search firm to find your coach. I mean, they yeah, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't be doing still around and, and thriving as a business if yeah. people didn't constantly go to that well. With my yeah. last name being Butler, my nickname's always but. just been Butt or I'm Big Butt. My brother's Little Butt. So any type of thing like mm-hmm. I have friends that just call me Face or call me Liquor, like the thing that's attached <laughs> ah, to Butt. So I'm used to all these Butt labels. I know they see. I don't know if they have a Butt wipe like. Like brand, I think it's like no butt wipes is what how they uh, yeah like the company. that's the Market term it. for it, but that's not it's like one wipe or you one know wipe I mean? Charlie's clean wipes or whatever. They're now they changed butt it to one wipe Charlie's to actually that be the brand that's on it. To me, yeah. I haven't seen a butt wipe that actually has butt wipes on. it. No, you're right, you're right. About you know what that. I mean? Ask the ask the actual trade yes. the butt paste. That's a, that, a re- what the hell, man? Real deal, real deal thing, right? I've wow. learned about okay. bottle warmers and wipe warmers okay. and all kinds of all kinds of interesting stuff. No, I understand. Uh, um, to make sure your baby is happy and healthy. But anyway, wow. uh Rod, this is kind of a there's no easy way to segue from that to football, you but can't I will. Segue so from butt wipes to football, right? So first, long well, horse yes practice. Because offensive linemen, they use a lot of butt wipes. I would offensive imagine so. Big on butt wipes. Uh, first, <laughs> Longhorns practice is in the books for spring and. You know, we when we previewed spring ball last week, we got into it, and I said we'd do it again this week, and we got plenty of time. Really, it's all leading up to the spring game, which is going to be everybody's first real full, real deal look at what this football team uh, is going to look like until they get back on the field in August. And I spent – we're supposed to get two open windows for practice this week, so I decided I was going to kind of split it. Tuesday I would be with the offense, yeah. then Thursday – um, I'll go ahead and watch the defense. So if you're Horns 24-7 member, if you're listening to this uh, before Thursday, uh, you know I've got my offensive notes from practice on Tuesday, and if everything goes according to plan, uh, I'll have my defensive notes after practice in the evening time on Thursday. Uh, but, Rod, I want to start with the offense and start with the quarterbacks. And I was – I always like when I make notes during practice and then it lines up with what the coach says afterwards. And the big takeaway I had offensively was – I didn't think either of the veteran quarterbacks looked particularly noteworthy. Yeah. Maybe that's first day rust. I don't know. But I came away feeling like the two young quarterbacks look like they belong. I'm not saying either one's going to push the veterans. No. But they look like pretty good takes. Cameron Rising and Casey Thompson. Cameron Rising at 235 pounds. That's what he's listed at on the spring rush. And then Casey Thompson threw, I thought, the best ball I saw a quarterback throw on Tuesday. So are those both those guys six foot? How tall are they? Casey Thompson and Cameron Rice. Yeah. Uh, Casey so Thompson. Sam Ellinger's the tallest guy out there. Yes. Uh, okay. Casey Thompson. Yeah. Casey Thompson looks taller because he's more kind of a long, lean, long body yeah, type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so Casey Thompson's probably between legitimately between six foot and six one, yeah. and Cameron Rising is probably between six one and six two. Yeah, um, I would say that there's kind of definitely like a body style that Tom Herman likes as his quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Because there is. I mean, I, I mean, I back in Mac's day, Mac didn't really have a particular body style right. or anything prototype that he liked. He really didn't. Like, Mac basically liked guys that yeah, if you were the, the best. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're the best quarterback in the state, I'll take you. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's why you get a Chris Sims. That's why you get Vince Young. That's why you get Tyrone Sweeney. That's why we Greg Davis here. Take, Greg Davis. Yeah, take this and go make it work. It yeah, and even bringing in guys like Cole, Cole McCoy is basically Tom Herman's dream quarterback. Cole uh, McCoy yeah. is kind of Tom Herman. If you ask me, like if, senior Cole, yeah, if, if, if Tom, yeah, you know what I mean. Like that Cole, that his arm Cole. got stronger, and also he could run. If you ask me about Tom Herman's dream quarterback, it ain't Vince Young. You know what I mean? It ain't. It's Cole McCoy. Like that's almost his dream quarterback. That's kind of what JT Barrett is, or or, or a Baker Mayfield. Like that's almost his dream quarterback. Yeah, like, a guy that's not doesn't you know, have a true a true quote unquote dual threat skill set. Yes, but mobility, mobility and functional mobility, athleticism. Right, yes, to extend yeah. the play. Yeah, you know what I mean? Would be a good yeah. exactly. If I'm just kind of looking at the quarterbacks that he's coached, you know what I mean, and how you know their their skill set and how they're. You know what I mean? Because he's got the Kyle Allen thing thrown in there. So he does like the pro if you can kind of stay in the pocket and drop back and be able to, you know, make reads as a quarterback. He likes that, mm-hmm. but he also wants a guy that he can he can mess around with because he's still got that offensive coordinator in him. So he loves funky packages. He likes, you know, he likes a little misdirection and, yeah, you know what I mean, deception within the offense, different formations, funky stuff. He still likes that. You know what I mean? He's got some that Brian Harson in him where, yeah, I want to do something funky. Right. I want people to know that I am, an, you know what I mean, an intellectual presence as an offensive mind and I can come up with something that you haven't really seen. He right. likes that. Put an imprint. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's it's weird. I'm watching his, you know, recruitment of quarterbacks. You know, they're they always say women always say that like you can tell a lot by a man by you know the what kind of shoes he wears or by the way he treats his mother. You know what I mean? Like you can tell a lot by a man by this. You can tell a lot by a head coach by his quarterbacks right. that he ends up choosing. And you can tell a lot about Tom Herman by the way he's choosing these quarterbacks. He doesn't necessarily covet the conventional prototype anything. You know what yeah. I mean? He's really kind of outside the box when it comes to the quarterback yeah. position totally. And that's kind of what Colt McCoy was to him. Like, that's why Colt McCoy's in the league as a, as a pocket-passing quarterback. He can be a pro-style quarterback. But, hell, that dude could run in the read option if you need him to run it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. On his own read. He could do that. Rod, that's kind of what, where I wanted to, I wanted the, the, this show. And I, I, I keep telling people, look, we've got plenty of time to talk about quarterbacks. But, you know, the NFL draft buzz is starting to heat up now. Yeah. Pro day is going on. Yeah. And you see the New York Jets make a trade. They give up, I think, three in a three number two picks, Ooh. two this year, two next year. You don't want to go up, to yeah. go up to number three. Hey, man. Presumably to take one of those quarterbacks. Yeah, man. And I just, exactly start, I just start thinking, you know, quarterbacks, Rod, as, as you say, I love the way you put this many years ago, and I still use your analogy to this day. Finding a quarterback is like finding a good significant other. Yep. She might not be the hottest woman you've dated, mm-hmm. but she was the best fit for you. Yep. Ain't no question about it. And I want to start thinking about quarterbacks, man. It is you it's almost like guys hanging out at the bar that you're thinking with the brain you shouldn't be thinking with. 
Yeah. In other words, I've seen really smart people make really dumb decisions when it comes to quarterbacks. Oh, no doubt. And <laughs> yeah, uh, the decade of the nineties yeah. where just we didn't even know what yeah. we were watching, and you yeah. were just and like, "Oh, numbers, big old." I agree. We, yes. we were waiting to get into yeah. the availability after t- a Tuesday night I practice, and I don't know. Anwar Richardson and I were talking. We, we yes, folks, us that work at different sites, we talk to each other when we're at media functions. So and Anwar, I we I don't know how the discussion got started, but we started talking about Tyrone Swoops and and just talking yeah. about you know the decisions that. The guys make a quarterback, and why do they do it? And what what yeah. were you thinking? And the the reason mm-hmm. the, the the thing that Rod made me feel like yes, yeah, smart guys make dumb decisions when it comes to quarterback is I look at the NFL, and those guys get it wrong all the all time. the time, all the time. Like EJ Manuel was a first round all pick, Christian Ponder was a first round pick. Yeah. Why they're overvalued, they're overdrafted, thus they're over recruited, over evaluated. and Johnny Manziel exactly. Picks. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I I started thinking about. Ozzie Newsome. And, and I I love how the Baltimore Ravens draft because very rarely do the Ravens have a draft pick. They're like, wow, that guy was just a bust. Yeah. The Ravens have a very good track record. They do. And Ozzie Newsome, you'd be hard-pressed to find a GM in, in all of pro football with a better track record than Ozzie Newsome. Mm-hmm. But I kept thinking about this going back to Ozzie Newsome, the dumb quarterback decision he made. Go back to 2003 huh. and when Kyle Bowler came out. And what was the one thing everybody said about Kyle Bowler? I had nothing to do with how he read a defense or nothing. Nope. He can get on both knees and throw it 50 yards through the uprights. Yep. <laughs> when is he throw ever going to be mountain. asked to do that in a game? Said the same thing about Josh right. Allen Like right it's now. Uncle Rico. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. when is he ever going to do that? Exactly what, how, right. how does that relate? It's like Nick Rose doing the backflip field goal. Yeah. Well, great. That's yeah, awesome. Great. But when is can he, he play the that? game? Can exactly. he play? Right. Can he play? <laughs> and the Ravens, you know, traded up and gave away, gave away picks to go get Kyle Bowler, who was yep. a scrub, a scrub quarterback. Pretty much. And so it's like, yeah. Coaches make dumb decisions at that position all the time. At the emotional highest levels of about it, yeah. Well, and it, you always will err. You see these mistakes. A lot of them, they almost you can go back to one or two things. One, they were either a really big prospect, like that five-star quarterback that say didn't make it the way that even though Manuel or Ponder, those guys are both, they were huge prospects. You see the tools, or they're just great production in college. The way that you saw somebody like say Manziel just soar past expectations, but then those things distort you from the player because you aren't going for past opinions or for past gains. You're trying to go and find out who's going to be the best for me going forward, but when you're only examining those tools before and trying to predict it, you get lost in what you've seen, and, like you're, what you know and what and, your eyes have seen. And let's be fair about the Johnny Manziel thing. If Johnny was focused, oh yeah, you're more, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, you know, what I mean, he and obviously he's dealt with bipolar disorder and all that kind of stuff. If he if he was more focused and had all that diagnosed before, Who knows? he probably would have been a better NFL quarterback. I'm not yeah. saying that he didn't have that, but that's all the things you have to consider. Yes. that's like you have to consider so many that's different things. Yeah, Vy's even said if he was more mature, exactly. his career would last. You have so many career. chances to be wrong at quarterback. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there is so much things that can go wrong. Like it could be injured. Look at Andrew Luck now. Well, I mean, Hell, Andrew Luck was supposed crazy. to be the next, next Peyton Manning, Nets, John Elway. It's a done deal. He's going to be the guy. He's going to win multiple Super Bowls. If you get him, God bless you, and amen. And now it's like, well, hope he comes back healthy. You never know. You never know. I mean, just something never attached know. to Vince Young like Steve yeah. McNair's death. Who knows how much that? In fact, there's so know, many you levels have no of idea, things man. that connect. You have no idea. And, and this takes me to Tom Herman yeah. looking at this quarterback room, Rod, and, and I think – I, I think this because I don't know. I haven't asked Tom yeah. Herman, or I don't pretend to know how he. I know the things he values in quarterbacks. Yeah, but I don't pretend to know what the long term plan is in terms mm-hmm. of how he's doing this. 
you have to attack quarterback recruiting. And again, I'll, I'll turn it over to you here in a sec because you bring up the two franchises oh, all the time that handle the quarterback position in the National Football League you know and have for decades better you know than anybody. The Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots. Yep. And what are the, they always The franchises doing? with Tom yeah. freaking Brady and Aaron yeah. freaking Rodgers as your starting quarterback. Yeah. They draft more quarterbacks than anybody. Yeah. They bring in more undrafted free agents than anybody. They trade for more quarterbacks. Why? The, the Green Bay Packers just traded for another quarterback. They just traded the, for Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, they were like, oh, we want him. We just yeah. take him. You yeah. stockpile as much talent at that position as possible because eventually, at the pro level, those guys are going to turn into assets if they're worth their salt. Yep. At the college level, it's harder because of transfers and guys want to play, but Tom Herman's approach to yep, fixing this quarterback Agreed. position, it's not, I've got to go find me Vince Young. I've got to go yep. find Cam Newton. It's, I'm going to stockpile this room with as much talent as possible because you know what? I trust my evaluations mm-hmm. that one of, if we've got six scholarship guys, one of these guys is going to end up being a good quarterback for exactly. us. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You hedge your bets. Yes. Right. Right? You should be smart about it. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to. It's the, like what the, the Philadelphia have Eagles. Done, the, yes, the Philadelphia Browns Eagles, everybody's praising their model because they went all in to get Carson Wentz. We laughed at them two years ago. Right. They traded a first round pick, a third round pick, and a fourth round pick in one draft. And then in 2018, they, fir- they traded a first round pick in. 2017's draft and a second round pick in 2018, all to go up and get Carson Wentz. And we were like, man, these people don't know what the hell they're doing. They're like, no, no, this is our guy. But we're going to hedge our bets. They brought in Chase Daniel one year. And they're like, you know what? We're going to, this guy could be a potential starter for us. This Carson Wentz don't think work out. And then they doubled down on that and went and got Nick Foles and said, nope, we want two starting quarterbacks on our roster. And people thought they were crazy because you got a salary cap, and yet they were devoting $11 million to the backup quarterback position. And everybody said, Dude, they are insane. Mm-hmm. Turns out they were insane. Yeah, that's why they won the damn Super Bowl. Crazy, you, like, crazy you know what like I mean? a fox. Minnesota Vikings, bet one of the best teams in the NFL. what they do? They had Teddy Bridgewater coming back. They're like, no, no, no. We're trading for Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. Traded Sam with Sam Bradford. You know what I mean? Trade with the Eagles. As a matter of fact, trading with guys. the Eagles, who <laughs> also forgot about Sam Bradford. Yeah. And then the Eagles talk about assets. They end up trading Sam Bradford over, boom, for a first round pick. Yeah. So they get a first-round pick. Minnesota's like, no, nope, we're, we're stockpiling quarterbacks. Let's bring in Case Keenum, too. They bring in three. So what are the Jets doing this year? Jets still got their – they just moved up, right? So what, you said the number three pick? Is they're, number three? they're three now. All right. They gave up two, They got two, Teddy three, Bridgewater. Three they just signed Teddy Bridgewater. No, And, and they got Josh McCown on the roster. Everybody, everybody now has figured it out. Dude, quarterback position overall, not just your starting quarterback. You got to devote resources to make sure you got at least two guys you see as starting quarterbacks in your roster. That's a smart way to do it because the truth is nobody knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to quarterbacks. That's why Bill Belichick had Drew Bledsoe, a $100 million quarterback, and decided, no, no, you know, this Tom Brady kid is good. And even when Tom Brady's on the roster, he's drafted eight quarterbacks, eight quarterbacks since he's been the head coach. They he's like, no, Jimmy man, Garoppolo. I don't know what this going to happen. Tom Brady might leave me. If Tom Brady leaves me, boom, I'll have Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, we traded Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, I got Sam Castle. Oh, I got – hell, Major Applewhite was on that damn roster at one point with Bill yeah, Belichick. Cliff Kingsbury was That's on how there. many yeah. damn quarterbacks he's Sims bringing in, dog. And, and nobody else wanted to copy that blueprint. And I saw it years ago, and I was like – I mean, everybody in the NFL is stupid except Bill Belichick and except the Green Bay Packers. They've drafted numerous quarterbacks. They're always picking. Hell, they had Brett Favre and decided, oh, we're going to draft Aaron Rodgers in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you do. You have to always be thinking your quarterback is leaving because they are. And if they're not leaving, they're getting hurt. Mm, if they're exactly. not getting hurt, you know what I mean? Like, and you have to, oh, you know why Tom Brady has always taken a pay cut? 
Because Bill Belichick's got a quarterback I just drafted. <laughs> I just drafted one. You know what, Tom? We sit down in this negotiation room and we're hanging out. I'm like, you know what, Tom? I just drafted a damn quarterback, bro. You know I'm thinking about the future. I'm drafting another one next year. You know what I mean? So Tom Brady's like, nah, I'll take a pay cut, bro. I'm going to keep winning Super Bowl, but I'll take a pay cut. I want to keep winning Super Bowl because as long as I'm winning Super Bowls and I'm winning, you take the incentive off of the guy just wants to get paid uh, because he wants to be the highest paid quarterback and Tom Brady's like, no, no, if I keep winning, I'll keep my job. You continue to make it a competition. And you up the competition level in that room to the point where everybody understands if I'm playing and I'm winning, I'm staying in the job. Yeah. And if other than that, nothing else matters. The politics don't matter. Coach's favorite don't matter. Whoever, uh, you know, coach's daughter likes don't matter or his wife likes. None of that matters. All that matters is I am the quarterback and we are winning games. That's it. And that position's so key that, like you That's said, that is, with the variance, though, with all the things that we talked about, if you can accumulate a group of them, if you are understand, you almost have to go Dude. into with the understanding that, yes, we aren't going to be perfect with this, but if we're able to flood in and get it, because then even if you hit on a couple, you don't know about injuries. Texas fans learned about that Transfers. since Colt McCoy, all that. And then same thing when you look at quarterbacks, like how you brought up Philly, the way that they go, people criticize Nick Foles as being, you know, the $10 million contract at the time. It was like, yeah, but then when you combine that quarterback room, because when you combine a quarterback one and quarterback two, they were like paying the 20th most in, out of all teams in yeah. the NFL. So they actually were a bottom 10, bottom 12, one of no, the because, cheaper quarterbacks but the, because that's they're drafting the, rookies. Exactly. And, no, and that's why I'm saying that if you continue to get the young base and you get that built-in infrastructure of the cap hit that you have by always going and hitting and turning that commodity into something. Exactly. And then in college, you can actually do this and just accumulate them. And what is yeah, it also doing? It can keep them away from your opponents. Now, in a market where the quarterback is so key to winning, it's not as if there's 32 dispersed amongst 32 teams. There might be 25 teams, and the best seven have the have three apiece or two apiece. And in college, you can take advantage of that even more by getting them to come in, compete, and maybe elevate each other. And if they get hurt or if the one falls off, you still have that built in. So it's smart to have more than you ever would have had in the past at that position. It's the most valuable position in sports, arguably. It just, just in my opinion, because the NFL gave a tax break when they made the rookie weight scale. Remember Sam Bradford made that $78 million contract, $50 million of it guaranteed. And everybody was like, man, we got to have a rookie weight scale. They made the quarterback position so cheap in the draft. Mr. Trubisky will make $29 million guaranteed over four years with a fifth-year option. So right now, the Dallas Cowboys have the biggest bargain in sports because they're starting quarterback only cost him $700,000. The Russell Texans, Wilson by the was. way, had the second biggest discount in the NFL because their quarterback only cost them $3.2 million against the cap. You're talking about less than 1% of your salary cap going toward the most valuable position, and you can build the rest of your team yep. with just all the rest of that $177 million salary right. cap. Russell Wilson, that's why the Seattle Seahawks built their mm-hmm. dynasty. That's what built the Patriots' dynasty. The cheap, the cheapness of, or I'm sorry, use a better word, the the frugality mm-hmm. of having Tom the Brady, value. a sixth-round yeah. pick, as your starting quarterback for about three or four years, and then having Drew Bledsoe traded for a first-round pick, getting draft capital. That's what it's become all about. Teams are just figuring it out, but it's been out there forever. And even in college, you brought it up, it's easier in college, but it's still the same thing. The transfer market has really yeah. changed the game in college. Yeah. Those guys are going to transfer if they're but not happy. you get that first shot. 
you keep look at AM, look at Texas Tech, look at Texas. They they're gonna keep transferring, man. In Oklahoma too. Hell, Baker Mayfield's a transfer. Yeah. They're gonna keep transferring. It's gonna get more prolific. Just keep bringing them in. You can't you can't control what, how they feel and where they want to go. What you mm-hmm. can control is how many guys you have on campus. Mm-hmm. And I want to look at three programs really when you talk about stockpiling talent at the quarterback position. And the first one is Oklahoma. And yep. you look at Oklahoma, Rod, you mentioned the transfer market's changed things. They get Baker Mayfield. And you look at their quarterback Alamore. competition now. Well, <laughs> it's a competition, though, yep. because they had Austin Kendall and, and Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops said, no, you know, we can get Kyler Murray, let's get him. And it's not a given Kyler Murray's going to be the starter at Oklahoma mm-hmm. in 2018. That's a legit competition he's got with Austin Kendall right now. But that's a really good problem to have when yep. you've got two guys that you think are really capable of being the guy. Go look at Alabama. Everybody would love to have Nick Saban's problem. Do, do, do you want the guy that's – Got twenty five wins in two years, yeah. and, and and took you base took you to a national championship game, and yep. played well enough to win you another one. Or do you go with Tua Tungavailoa, who everybody assumes is better than Jalen Hurts? Yeah. The, the skill set tells you he's a better prospect than Jalen Hurts, and won you a national championship. Now he's got thumb injury now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a damn good problem to have. Yeah. You just keep, and you know they had Blake Barnett transfer two years ago. They recruit him, and they just keep sucking him through. Go look at Georgia. Jacob Eason was, had a great true freshman year. Yep. And then he's projected to start, gets hurt. Jake Fromm takes that job, takes the bull by the horns. Jacob Eason transfers. Who's going to be your backup quarterback in Georgia? Oh, you're bringing, in Justin, you're bringing in Justin Fields, the number one quarterback prospect in the country in yeah. 2018, yeah. to be your backup come, quarterback. Come get this spot, man. Yeah. yeah. So, come get this spot to here, Matt's man. point, yeah, it's easier to do it at the college game. And the key is – the key to it at the college game is, is kind of, and, and I've said this is the challenge for Tom mm-hmm. Ehrman through his first, you know, eighteen to twenty-four months on the job is roster management. Yep. You know, and when you talk, we've talked about things ad nauseum on this show, both incarnations of it, things like bust rate and hit rate and things like that, and. You know, not to get too far off subject, but I asked Tom Herman on on Monday the practice the, the press conference the day before practice started about you know that 2017 class because I'm sitting there listening to him rattle off names of guys that made really big gains in the strength program, and he's mentioning Taquan Graham and Marquez Bimage and Sam Cosme and and you know even the JUCO guys in that class Jamari Chisholm got brought up Gary Johnson got brought up, hmm. and I'm sitting there thinking like wow. Oh, for really what amounted to a uh, pretty much a throwaway class, a class that everybody, myself to an extent, kind of thought, ah, these guys are all going to get recruited over in a year or two. They've got a chance to have the majority of that class end up being really productive players. And you look at what the talent they're bringing in for 2018, it seems like, Rod, the early returns are this is a staff that you trust their evaluations. Obviously, with Yancey McKnight running that strength program, you know they can develop guys. So, in terms of turning the roster over, Tom Herman is turning the roster over and maximizing his scholarship spots in the process, which that really ultimately, in terms of what your roster looks like two or three years down the road, that tells the difference. In that first 18 to 24 months, can you manage your roster and make sure you're bringing in guys that can actually play? Well, you want to get to the point where, and I was thinking about this, I'm going to rant about it probably on the show today, um, that you want to get to the point where, when your players are practicing against one another, the roster is built so they basically only uh, maybe two games out of the 12 games they play a year, they'll play against a like player or a better player. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? You, yeah. Your roster is. I, I got like to the point where I'm you, facing Roy it. Williams and B.J. Johnson and Sloan Thomas every day in practice. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, the truth is, I'm only going to face a wide receiver that's better than one of those guys maybe once a year. That's how Alabama is. That's yeah. how Clemson is. That's how Ohio State is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's how – and it's not because it's – now, that's also how some, you know, North Texas is too. But for Texas and those blue bloods, it's supposed to be at the elite level. I'm right. never going to face a better player at a more elite level. This guy's going to be a top ten pick, Roy Williams was. You know what I mean? Yeah. This guy's going to play in the NFL. You want to play against those caliber players every day in practice to the point where you get in the game and you realize – Oh, this is easy. This <laughs> is easier Man. than what I do on my day to day. Oh wow! Watch me. I'm about to do something. Wow! Watch me. I'm about to. I'm about to spot a quarterback because when that confidence, I can cover this guy easy. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's what you want to be. And y'all played. I that got way. to that point in you know in in 2001 and 2002 where <laughs> I wasn't playing again. There was no better player in the Big 12 no, at the wide receiver position than Roy Williams. Yeah. And B.J. Johnson was probably also top. 10 and also mm-hmm. wide receivers in the big 12. I'm gonna say probably top five. I'm disrespecting yep. BJ on that one, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I got and then and then Sloan Thomas was a sleeper, you better not sleep on him because right. he'll, you know, what I mean, we see that I see him at the NFL level do guys dirty in preseason games, you know what I mean, for the Texans. So, we were at that level where Tony Jeffrey was, you're like, oh man, I don't want to go against Tony Jeffrey, man. Somebody else, come out here, you know what I mean? Like, I ain't going against Tony Jeffrey. He's very I, disrespectful. I got to the point where I only go against Roy Williams, I got that kind of credit, be like, Roy, that's it, let's go, man, I'm tired, let's go. You only go against you. I don't want none, none, nobody else is on my level. I only want the best. You know what I mean? You get to that point. And B.J. Johnson get mad. Be like, nah, man, I'm coming right now. And then, you you know, if B.J. Johnson gets you on the sixth round, be like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we get to that point. That's when it's easy. Yeah. Then, the, then, it, then it all takes over. You're talking about roster management. You get to that point where it all it all takes over itself. The competition level, it's so it's so at a, at a, at a threat or it's so at an apex that – Everybody is getting better literally every day. Like that, no practice is wasted. Everybody, it, the, the, it's, it's exponential, the evolution your team takes on. And that's when, you know, VY is your, you know, scout team quarterback. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's a scout team. You know what I mean? And he's mm. out there, at, you know, playing at a high level, even as a scout team quarterback. That's when you get great. You don't see that, and nobody can really report on it. But that's when you become great. And that's what Ohio State and Bama and Clemson and – all these great programs have and that, that Texas doesn't have right now, that A&M doesn't have right now, and that so few, so few schools can get there, though. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's, it's like six yeah. schools like that in the country. Florida yeah. State may have been like that. You know what I mean? It's like six schools like that in the country. And, and, and Texas is supposed to be one of those schools. Right. But And it literally, Texas, like when that something like that happens, that evolution, it's not like you sort of see it coming. It's like when you watch them on the field, it's like two games in. It's like, oh, wow, this team is way better than I thought it would be. It's yeah. like it isn't going to creep up on you. Texas is either going to get to that point or... Or they're going to be fighting for a decade to get to that point. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tom, to your point, Rod, Tom Herman said you know, when he was on the staff where they won the national championship at Ohio State, oh, man. said one of the reasons they were so good was they had the best scout team in the country. Yeah. And it, it's guys on the scout team that are eventually NFL two or three players. years later going to be first, second round picks. Come pick. on, man. When they put Sloan Thomas on the scout team as like a demotion or something, they're like, Damn, this dude's on, and he just he's out there. All right, let's go. You know, he's got you know that that's the kind of thing that, and they had the luxury of doing that. That's the kind of thing that takes you to the next. It really is like it's small, but 
Hell, man, that's a challenge. Like, I'm not, I'm not going against walk-ons on the scout team. Yeah. My scout team is full of guys who are going to red shirt or whatever that are just that damn good. You and y'all's I mean? transformation happened that like 2000 and to 2001-ish. I don't think Sloan red Right around then, and it, you always talk about that OU loss. But, like, yeah. it also shows that within a year, though, this can happen in an offseason. It's just that when it happens, you really notice it immediately. It isn't as if it's going to come out of nowhere. You, you guys know I'm, I'm bullish on Georgia, man, but Georgia – Look how quickly that thing flipped, man. And Mark Richt was winning games, but Kirby Smart's first year, I think they were seven and six. And then, I mean, you look at Georgia now, and you're like, good lord, like they're they're about to go on a run. They yeah. just need a like culture they, change. Like, yeah, they just like, hadn't fallen off. They have more of always a, had talent. a higher floor that inherited yeah. by Smart than say what yeah. Texas had. They had always had talent. They just needed, a, yeah, they just yeah. need a culture change. And Rod, going back to roster management, you know, going back to the quarterback position. Speaking of roster management, I should say. That that's where, if this offense is going to get off the ground, we can talk about scheme all we want, and I know offensive line play has got a lot to do with that. But the the number one objective for Tom Herman offensively, and I know he said finding an identity in the run game is something he wants to do, something they want to get accomplished this spring. But you've got to get that position figured out. You've got to get that position to where it's not a detriment to your offense. And I'm not. That's not me throwing shade at Sam Ellinger or Shane Bouchelle because I think there were a lot of mistakes both those guys had last year that were no fault of their own. I think Sam Ellinger made some mistakes that true freshman quarterbacks make, and Shane Bouchelle obviously was banged up pretty much from the first game through through the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, with the offensive line issues and whatnot. But, you know, I, I like what they're doing at the quarterback position now. When you look at having the two veteran guys, the two young guys, I liked what I saw from them in the first practice, and then you think about, you know, they're bringing in Roshan Johnson uh, in this 2019 class, and then, you know, th- that position gets evaluated so early. But you can start to see that quarterback room. I mean, think about it. I, I was trying to think the last time Texas had four quality quarterbacks on scholarship in the room. I want to say it was like two. 2007 or 8, where they had four quarterbacks. Yeah. G.J. Uh, Kenny was still so you right? In 2000, I, th- I want to say I think two, it's, 2007 would have been Colt McCoy, it, John Childs, G.J. Kenny, and uh, Sherrod Harris. Yeah, I, I want to say it was two, in there? Yeah, I want to say yeah. it was 2007 or yeah, yep. 2007 or 8. They did. Yeah, that was like the last time they had like There's four Sherrod. scholarship quarterbacks, like you say. Or you, you like, that hey, you man, looked at and said, this guy could be something. This guy could be something. That was the last time. Yeah, it's it's not like that. looking at. I did the research by Two weeks. It's ago. not like looking at one of Charlie Strong's uh, falls where you know you had Tyrone Swoops and Gerard Hurd with Kyle Oxley mm-hmm. and Matthew Merrick and watching Matthew Merrick and this is no disrespect to Matthew Merrick. We're like, I don't think yeah. this guy's ever going to play. No, we were just like that guy's a quality backup for an emergency situation. Yeah, <laughs> and then Kyle Oxley. <laughs> That's what we were thinking. Emergency, and, and emergency because situation. we don't have anybody else yeah. to put out. And there. then you watch Kyle That's Oxley. That's when Fozzie Bear came and, out. And Kyle Oxley showed he was the the JUCO Player of the Year last year, and he's at UTEP now. But you watch him as a true freshman, you're like, wow, this this guy's a year away from being a year away. Yeah, exactly and, right. And now you're you're starting to see some real depth in that room. I I, I went back to 2011, Rod, right, and thought about it when when that room had Garrett Gilbert, Case McCoy, David Ash, and Connor Wood. Now Connor Wood ended up transferring and was had was a decent starter at, at Colorado. Uh, Case McCoy won some games at Texas. David Ash, who knows what would have happened had it not been for the injuries. Like, Garrett Gilbert. 
Obviously, there's talent there because he's hung around the NFL this long. Don't get me started on all the guys that have got gone on to such. NFL. Marcus Johnson and all these guys going to NFL careers. My brother didn't even know. Yeah. He's like, man, uh, Michael Bennett got traded. I was like, oh, yeah, for who? He's like, some guy named Marcus Johnson. I was like, he came to Texas. He's yeah. like, I don't Fozzie even remember Whitaker, him. Yeah, all those guys. But like, so. that's how much you can just – It's always been the offensive guys. You realize that like pro days next week. And, 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 and they're it, going to be some offensive guy that's not going to get drafted that's going to yeah. have an NFL career because the offense – Offensive identity crisis on the 40 acres doesn't allow you to maximize your offensive talent and showcase it for NFL scouts to see. I've been told that by NFL scouts. They're like, man, it's hard to evaluate Texas offensive talent. You just got to kind of take a chance on really really like raw offensive talent because they don't showcase it. Yeah. Mark, he's good one should have won the, the Litnikoff. You read my like, mind. That, you know what I mean? That, guy, that guy's unbelievable. If he Nobody didn't get banished to, to Buffalo, he's yeah. like the fantasy man. breakout guy last Kyle year. Kyle Shanahan loves year. him. It's like ridiculous. Like, and that, Malcolm Brown has been like that. All those guys have been. Fozzie Whitaker's been like that. We wasted so. Kent Perk. A lot of offensive guys have gone. Jeff Swain's still in the league. Yeah, like we. And he was, what was he, a late round pick? Seventh like, round pick. Yeah. Jeff Swain got drafted. Yeah, exactly. How, how many. He probably caught as many passes as like the three of us did yeah. while he was at Texas. We wasted so much talent on the 40 acres offensively. That's t- that's going to be Tom Herman's challenge, too, dog. Try to maximize this talent you got offensively. Showcase it. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. uh, the other practice observation I wanted to touch on while we've got time, and we, we've, we, we're we actually covering some good time here on this podcast if i do say so myself um <laughs> pat yourself on the back and yeah, yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> I, 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 not derailed. I uh i indulge in self that's a little derailed <laughs> I, I i indulge in self-deprecating that was like too this is true i am that too what they say is bad psychologically for you yeah. they say you're not supposed to do you're supposed to stay positive you're like tim tebow and up. and good things will happen that's why tim tebow's power they say is not really in his <laughs> Christian beliefs. I'm serious. They say his like power. No, that's why he always has good things happen to him. He he's had baseball career. Except like for baseball actually, power. He well, he actually was. Remember, he was hitting home runs when he first he started. Got cut. He bat 26. Yeah, he's but remember, done. he was hitting home runs. Yeah, somehow. If God, exactly. God, God like blesses him. Like what the hell? I don't get like that random blessing. Yeah, that's why but I just laugh at Tebow powers. He won awesome. a playoff game in the NFL. Beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like it was crazy. Exactly. He I mean, he saved the man's life on a plane once. So did. Come it's, what they say is it's his power of positivity. Know. Like he's always positive. Like he never lets a negative thought or a negative person around him or in his life. So it's all sunshines and rainbows, man. And that other that valley doesn't exist. For me, I'm always in the valley. Like I'm always <laughs> talking negative. Oh man, I'm talking negative on myself and everything. So that's what that's that lesson for Tim Tebow is positivity. Hey, positive. Just like Kwame Cavilto's false enthusiasm. False goes enthusiasm, a long way. dude. It goes a long way. It does. It does. So Getting back to uh, so we don't get derail ourselves. Getting back to uh, the top of the <laughs> Tebow, he uh, you, Tebow. The other practice observation I wanted to make was <laughs> the the uh, the makeup of this offensive staff. Rod, when you talk about the offensive identity crisis, uh, it's interesting the way they're doing things now. And again, I, I like when my notes that I make during practice line up with what the coach says afterwards. And this mm. happened, uh, I, and I, I put this in my practice notes that that went up before, right when the availability started Tuesday night. And uh, I noticed that Corby Meekins and Drew Maringer both being receivers coaches. And it's like, well, was one going to work with the outside receivers? Is one going to work with the slot receivers? I noticed when they were doing team takeoff, when they were doing routes on air, Corby Meekins is literally coaching guys on one side of the field, which were the Z receivers and the X's, and Drew Maringer are the Z receivers and the slots, excuse me. And then Drew Maringer's over here with the with the X receivers. Yeah. So, 
And Tom Herman said, yeah, they decided to do that and split the field since they've got two receivers coaches because that way you have two actual coaches coaching your receivers at all times. Because, Rodby, you know how it is. When you start running tempo drills, you know, if a guy goes for a go route, you just got to boom, run somebody in there real quick, and yep. and you got to have somebody talk to the guy, hey, you you, you know, your, your get-off, your first step was wrong, blah, 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 whatever, your hands are bad, whatever receivers whatever coaches are yeah. talking. And – you know, Tom Herman said instead of having a, a GA or somebody work with that other side, we've just got two coaches now. One takes one side of the field, the other one takes the other side of the field. I was like, wow. I was like, I patted myself on the back thinking, I'm like, wow, good observation on my part, but that's smart on Tom Herman's it part. to maximize Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maximize what you're working with. Mm-hmm. And I noticed uh, I really the thing I really wanted to pay attention to, and we talked about this last week, the thing I really wanted to pay attention to in practice, that first practice, I want to see how Herb Hand worked. because. Nice. Offensive oh, yeah, line coaches, that was the position I played in high school when I had, oh, if you can call that a career, you really <laughs> can't, but the three years I played varsity ball in high school, love my offensive line coaches because, I don't know, it's just something about being an offensive lineman and your offensive line coach, he's like a father figure type guy. Oh, and they're all crazy. And all, they're all, they're all, all crazy. Similar. They're a certain degree They're all kind of crazy. crazy. They all got a little yep. screw loose. If my, if my man Coach yeah. Hudson is listening to this, which Normally he probably not as crazy is, as yeah, you're, 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 all O line coaches are a certain degree of crazy. <laughs> they are, yeah. And I say the stereotypical O line coach. That's why I like I, I like the idea of Joe Wickline coming in because like Joe Wickline looked like what I picture an O line coach to look like. What they should look like. <laughs> That's true. With, I the, agree with, with that. the buzz cut yeah. and the collared shirt with like the biker short, the yeah, like, like the bike that. coach's shorts with the skull can in his back pocket. That's true. what the O line coach should look Great like. Great D line look. Yeah. And. Good so, way to get your foot in the door. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm watching Herb hand work. And, Rod, you, you've been around the game at all levels. And O-line coaches, some guys are yellers. Some guys are overcussers. Some guys yeah. are different guys. But the best O-line coaches I've been around. And, and Stacey Searles, I thought, was like this. And Stacey Searles has proven Man. himself to be a really good O-line coach. That dude was, that dude was emotional. And – I felt like, but the best online coaches are the guys that you see actually teaching. So the best online mm-hmm. coaches, I think, if they were like math teachers or science teachers or history teachers, they'd be really good professors or really good teachers. Yeah. And you watch Herb Hand, and he's not yelling, he's not demonstrative, but it's very meticulous in terms of you know posture and getting in the right stance and taking the right steps and not lunging yeah. and leading with your hat in your hands and hand placement and and you know where you're attacking the certain part of the body a lot of work on the two man sleds you know some some online coaches like some machines other than others some coaches mm-hmm. love the shoots some yeah. coaches love the the seven man sled herb hand was a big fan in the first practice of using the two man sled for all his blocking drills and and two man, Rod B, did you ever? I don't think you ever in your DB career. Maybe in high school you did. Did you ever hit up on the two man sled? Yeah, I think we. I, I did it back in high school. No, no way, Coach Keena had you guys level, on the two man sled. I don't think we ever even <laughs> no need dealt for with. A yeah, back to. we may have had it like once or twice. Not not the two man sled, but just like the regular one man one. Oh like yeah, hitting drill or something. But like maybe just like trying to fit up on it or something. Like yeah. stuff. But other than that, yeah, man, we yeah, that was high. I played linebacker though in middle school. So yeah, back in the day. <laughs> okay, so Rod, I don't know why I played linebacker. So Rod B, aggressiveness, bad coaching. So it's good. To, it's good to know yeah. Rod B has experience on the two man sled. Yeah. But Rod, you know, you obviously been around practice with you know the folks of the two man sled, what it looks like and how imbalanced it is. Yeah. And basically, the drill he was doing was Herpan was saying, look, if you're if your if your leverage is good and your body your hat your hat and hand placement is good, the sled shouldn't tilt. You should be able to drive it straight back, drive it, which yeah. is really hard. Cause yeah, because the, the weight is so uneven. Yeah, yeah. And which the, is basically what you'll be dealing with if you're trying to right. Yeah. 
right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the technicality. I, I mean, when we heard Herman talk yeah. always being so, after games, talking about a player getting behind his pads, falling forward, all the ideas of leverage and details, and you, everything you're explaining here aligns with him. Just, I mean, the foundation of yeah. everything that's needed. It's like a baseline before you're even allowed to then right. be on the field. And all the practices I've seen, Rod, and I've seen NFL training camp practices. I've seen various, a lot of different high schools across the state practice. I've seen college practices. I've never really seen that drill done. And I'm mm. watching thinking, why don't more O-line coaches do this? Because if you're talking about leverage Pushing, and balance yeah. and things like that, that makes perfect sense. If you can push a two-man sled yeah. on half of it straight back, you then your foot, guys back yeah, then pr- your footwork yeah, and leverage and everything like that is fine. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So yeah. I really thought that was a fascinating drill, but I thought Herb Hand just teaching about hand placement and, and ball ball get off, Rod. I know you're BGO, big on the BGO. BGO. Herb Hand's big on ball get off. Yeah, man, that's how you – that to me is the uh, – to me there are certain things are that are kind of the ultimate tool to have at certain positions. Like you have a uh, – you got a, a bunch of things in your, your arsenal, in your repertoire that you can use. That's what Coach Kim's all about. Man, I'll give you tools. I can't tell you how to use them because if I do that, I'm gonna, that's overcoaching. If I'm telling you what to do in every situation, I'm overcoaching because I'm not playing. Right. It's like you're out there – you're feeling it. You know if you can if you know if you're if you can jump that route, if you're gonna be quick coming out of that break, or if you can run with that guy. I don't know that. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna give you all the tools to use and you just gotta figure out when to use them and when's the best time to execute. And I love that because I think that's what coaching truly is. And for the defense alignment, BGO as one of your tools in your arsenal, dude, to me it's the most important one. If you can get the jump on a guy before he can establish himself and get into their technique, that's why the bump and run, to me, I, I love the art form because I could, I could, even if that guy is a more talented receiver than I am a defensive back, I can even the scales because I can throw him off yeah. with my bump and run technique. If my bump and run technique can discombobulate him enough at the line of scrimmage, all of his great route running, his speed, all the things that give him an advantage over me are nullified because I threw off the timing. Mm-hmm. And now he's yeah. fighting with me at the line of scrimmage for a half a second or for even longer. Or, and, and now I can control him. Yeah. BGO, so that's why bump and run to me was like my number one tool, and I had to perfect it. I was really good at it. Yeah. Um, but for those guys, I think their number one tool, BGO, for alignment, it would be my, if I was a defense lineman, it would be my number one tool because I can get into my pass rush, I can get into my technique before they get into theirs, and then almost I can, you know, I can stun them. Especially if I'm a D lineman, I figure yeah. I can stun you and throw you completely off. And and if you can throw an alignment off early, yeah. dude, watch how unathletic offensive linemen look. You ever seen offensive linemen like oh, when yeah. they, they're stunted early, dude? They look really unathletic because they're way. I'll show you guys some my. I'll show you guys my high school yeah. tapes if yeah. you want to see what and some of that looks like. That that three hundred pounds something, dude. So when their weight gets going one way, it can go real. It's hard to reshift. Yes, natural inertia. That's why. That's why BGO. For me, if I was a D lineman, dude, getting off quick. That's why guys who did that. We had linemen like Miguel McKay that were really good that played just because their BGO was so good. Maurice Gordon was like that. Mm-hmm. Maurice, Maurice Gordon was, was a two hundred and sixty pound defensive tackle, but he can always get in the backfield because he was gonna he was gonna ba- even if you got a hand on him, it would be like on his chest or stomach because he's already in the gap. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Sort of but ahead which, of its time with a guy like Maurice Gordon. It was, because yeah. that's what you're seeing more and more in the At those NFL undersized guards. Oh, yeah, oh, like so undersized tackles. It, 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 it practice, like a Puna Ford coming out. Not Now, they're different skill set-wise, but good for him being But no, to, to your point, He's though, He's got Matt, BGO, yeah. though. In, in, yep. pra- in, practice, uh, in practice on Tuesday with the defense, Tom Herman talked about this when they went to more team periods. Taquan Graham's running nose. Yeah. At and 285, 290 pounds. Yeah. And we, we talked about Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver's nose. Ed Oliver's 275 pounds. Yeah, Ed Oliver actually is the prototypical now defensive tackle. Yeah. And yeah. Being able he, to talk under, about and, yeah. this timing and being able to then the domino effect that comes after, like say when you're running bump and run, or if you're just able to get that first disruption in that first second, in the first initial timing of a play, that's just invaluable in football because of the domino effect right. that if it's, I mean, exactly. quarterback sees the guy getting pushed oh, into him or his wide receiver, yeah. and then everything, now you have hesitation, now you on defense have become the offense, the aggressor, and it flips the scales defensively. It's why you saw Seattle play so confident for years in the NFL, and different teams do that. So, Rod, to your point about BZO being a great tool for defensive linemen, and I agree, it brings in a question. Why don't more offensive line coaches teach it? And I thought about that while watching Herb Hand just focus on just getting off wow. the ball. And, and the That's way he was doing point. it, the yeah. way he was doing it was interesting because, and I'm, I don't know if this is how he runs all his drills like this, but uh, you know, because Texas has the different snap games where the quarterback claps and then the ball snapped. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Herb Hand was doing. It was a clap and then and then listen for the the you know snap whatever. So it's clap and then hut or whatever to to get off the ball. Yeah. And he's basically saying, if you're waiting to hear my voice, you're too late getting off the ball. Man, you got to anticipate it like that. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. If you're waiting, that's wait- kind of that's kind. Yeah, that gives me chills because yeah, you got to be. It's like I couldn't hear everything yeah. he was saying, but that was one thing I heard him saying during that drill. He's like, if you're waiting to hear my voice, you're too late. It's like the gunshot, the right? They always right. say if you hear the gunshot, it's already too late. Yeah. The bullet, the bullets are already way past <laughs> the Joe sound Pesci. of the gunshot. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. yeah so so no, basically, when you hear that clap, you're you're you, you're loaded, ready to go. Yeah, you're loaded. So ready to go. I just like the way yeah. he teaches, and I've gotten to watch you know Stacy Searles like do that. it, and Joe Wickline do it, and Matt Maddox do it. And Derek Wareheim do it. And even back in the day, like going to practice, watching how like Tim Nunez would work with guys or Mac McCorder would do it. Yeah. Um, all O-line coaches just have a, the the message. Rod, it's help me, help me, help me understand. The message is the same, but the, the way same, you man. deliver the message, yeah. everybody's it's different. It's like teaching arithmetic or you know, basic grammar to kids. You're teaching the same thing, but yeah. you know that teacher that stood out to you in school, and you're like, damn. Mm. Mr. Nathan was the bomb English teacher, dog. I <laughs> yeah. learned so much. You know what I mean? It was just their style of teaching. Right. I'm an education major, and that's basically what I'm like, man, everybody's teaching the same thing. But if you can find your own twist on it, emphasize certain things that will resonate with that person. And, and then you got every person learns differently, too. That's how you know mm-hmm. you're a real good coach because yeah. everybody don't learn the same way. Everybody's not going to learn on the field and in the film room the same way. So I know everybody wants to know how do guys look. What you know? What do you all oh, you see uh, at the first practice? That was my big takeaway. Just Herb Hand and his his ability to teach and just how he worked with that mm-hmm. offensive line group. Just getting to watch him for you know two or three periods while we were out there. I was I was very impressed uh, with what I saw. The other big takeaway I wanted to talk about, and, and we'll end with this for this week. You know, Tom Herman mentioned the gains in the strength program that guys made, and let me see if I can find that. Uh, story i did yeah, on it because I, I wrote it i wrote it all down i want to say I some wrote. of those things were phenomenal i mean i read yeah. some 
Uh, the okay, so Brick oh, and Hager's weight. I think I was really surprised. I saw Vintage's squat was up yeah, like it, he went from being something in the low fours when he got here to like six ten like that. Okay. He yeah, said he'd crazy. take in a couple weeks. I saw Chris Boyd <laughs> jumped like a thirty nine. All right, let me run this down. For that's real awesome. Yeah, that's By the way, big, big thanks to whoever's uh, right. That would yeah. Whoever's making sure our internet is flowing and functioning at a high level here at the Austin Radio mm. Network Studios. I can look it up. Yeah, uh, okay, so uh, when okay the team test. Before players were released for spring break, 46 players uh, had a 30-inch or more vertical jump. The team average is 31 and a half inches. That includes linemen. 40 guys, Rodby, and this is going from a Charlie Strong regime where I heard they really didn't do cleans from the floor that often, yeah. if at every, all. Every strength coach, we haven't gotten into that, but every strength yeah. coach got their thing. Uh, Mad Dog was a huge power clean fan. Yancey <laughs> McKnight is. Yancey McKnight <laughs> is kind of course old was, school right? in that. In that speed and explosive power. Rod, Rod, B, power. Rod yeah. B, in your off seasons, how often did you get sick of tire- hearing the phrase speed and explosive power? Man, explosive power, dog. We had T-shirts, everything was about explosive power. All of, Mad, Mad Dog was all about mental strength, like mental toughness. Yes. So a lot of that stuff, like, we, I ain't going to lie, A&M would have guys that would do better at the combine than we would do. Right. Um, and I always thought that was ridiculous. I, I know we had better athletes or like athletes. Um, for a while because he was focused so much on mental toughness. But I'm not going to lie. The, remember, it, it was always the criticism of Texas football was that they were soft. It was kind of a, you know, kind of a, a country club atmosphere, that kind of thing, and he wanted to get away from that. So now everybody was mentally tough coming out. That was his goal. I always looked at the strength program under clean? Mad Dog when it was, when it was, yeah, at, its, when it was at its best under Mad Dog was – it, you basically got out of it whatever you were willing to put in. Like this if you were true. a guy that just wanted to just kind yeah. of skate by and do the bare minimum, that's fine. That. But you're, you're going to be on the scout team for four yeah. years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you want to be Brian Arakpo and yeah. maximize you be at your the time front in of here, all those yeah. exercises, sand pit, thousand yard shuttle, uh, with the weighted you know weight vest and all that, you yeah. better be at the front of it. Show me what you got. Well, and yeah, yeah, especially what it's about. But that to me, that didn't really make you a better right, like more athletic corner so or check, football so player. Everybody pretty much came into Texas then and they 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 came in very athletic and explosive and they really kind of left the same. I don't yeah. know if they improved and as much as they should have. When you right. said that sentence, power clean just made me think of, because we always were sort of wondering, like it le- especially in the late 2000s, like all these pec injuries or then yep. shoulder. And mm-hmm. I just Googled most common injuries to power clean shoulder injuries, which oh, is what I, had I, did. I mean, that's yeah. what ended your NFL had, career. Where, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it was a probably a part injuries. of all strength complexes, yeah. but functional strength really does matter instead Agreed. of just weightlifting, Olympic lifting, and stuff so, like that. Yeah. So speaking of Olympic lifting, I don't want to get too far off track. I, I was going to mention this at the top, and we dove right into it. We need to get him back on the show because we need to send a huge congratulations to our good friend, Mark Henry, oh, yeah. who yeah, was right. announced this week is the latest member who will be inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. coming up uh, in early April down in New Orleans at WrestleMania yeah, on man. WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, very deserving. I don't know if there's anybody more deserving. From the Mark Hall Henry. of Pain to the Hall of hmm. Fame. Hall of Fame, baby. Mark Henry. And Mark, Mark Henry's just we'll, awesome, dude. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we, he's a good man. we got to have Mark on the show here uh, before too long, before he gets to WrestleMania weekend. Uh, and and I know Mark Henry will appreciate these numbers. So you ready for this, Rod? Okay. Give it to me. 40 guys power clean 300 or more pounds. Mm. Uh, of those 40 guys, four guys maxed out at 350-plus. Uh, Sam Cosme, 355. Marquez Bimage, 355. Brecken Hager, 360, and Taquan Graham at 370. Uh, wow. 33 guys back squatted 500 or more pounds. Uh, and guys who were singled out, Cosme, 570, 
Taquan Graham, Taquan Graham, five seventy, Jamori Chisholm, five eighty five, and Marquez Bimage, six ten. And he was six ten. That's what I said earlier. He was at four or something. He said he came in at four forty five or something yeah. like that. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, Brecken Hager added three inches to his vertical jump. Yeah, this is all since the staff has been here and started working with guys. Brecken Hager's added three inches to his vertical jump, 150 pounds to his squat max. He's added 25 pounds onto his frame and, at the same time, shed 3% body fat. <laughs> Char- that sounds so like a riddle. He weigh now? He's up to oh, close to 270, closing That's on crazy, 270. Man. That's a, uh, that's a beast, yeah. Charles Aminahu. Charles Brian Robinson. Since the staff got here, Charles Aminahu's added 12 inches to his vertical jump. Yeah, that Think is, about that. Charles Aminahu. And it's hard for Charles Aminahu to work because he's got long inches? arms and you got to take away some. 12 inches? 12 inches. He's basically jumping a foot higher. Uh-huh. 12 inches to the vertical wow. jump. So what was he doing before? He's all Charles Aminahu's. <laughs> not jumping? Charles Aminahu's also added 18 pounds and lowered his body fat by 3%. Yeah, that's crazy. Chris Boyd, vertical up four inches. He's the team best at 39 and a half. And Chris Boyd has added 10 pounds and increased his standing broad jump rod by eight inches. He's now at 10, one and a half and raised his squat max by 105 pounds. Yeah. See, that's stuff that's going to make you money down the line. It yep. doesn't matter that much. And I mean, it didn't matter. It shows you how athletic the guys are. But in football, of course, translating that on the field, that's tough for anybody to quantify exactly how it's going to translate. Real-time calculations. We know that stuff. Yeah, we know that. But we know the NFL is also a showcase at the Combine, which Texas is planning on You know, having a lot of guys invited to the Combine over the next few years. That stuff makes you money. And yeah. to me, that's a great recruiting tool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You yep. get that out there. It's a recruiting tool. Like, hey, guys, you're going to come here, and all those combine exercises, you're going to be really good at them by the time you get the there. The definition of what college should be yeah. <laughs> to help you Preparing get a you job for the next yeah, – exactly. like, that, that, that's, that's exactly basically right. what they're doing. Here's the – and Chris Boyd, Rod, you know, I, I remember, you know, late high school, early college days, I'd, I'd go out to – back when practices were open to anybody and anybody Just could go out and up. watch practice. Um Going to watch Quentin Jammer practice, or Dang. you see Nathan Vasher out there. I was seeing Rod B out at practice, <laughs> and you see what an NFL DB looks like. Chris Boyd looks like an NFL defensive back on yeah. the roof. Like that's heard, what, yeah, that's what you want thing. him to look like. And he's, you know, he's feeling himself because last year ended the season as one of the best corners in the country, had the best game yeah. in the nation. Yeah, so I know he's feeling best himself, and he should. Great. That's a great way to go into the offseason, man. So I want to close it with this. And Matt, we talked. You talked about details. Tom Herman doesn't miss anything when you talk about. And I was talking about Herb Hand being very detail oriented. This doesn't just speak to how far this strength program has come from. Just when it was in shambles with Mad Dog and Benny Wiley button heads, and which, by the way, we haven't talked about this, and maybe we'll talk about it later this spring. Lincoln Riley hiring Benny Wiley as his strength coach at Oklahoma, with Jerry Schmidt going to Texas. What? A&M. Yeah, you didn't hear that, Rod? Lincoln Riley? I didn't know that. Benny Wiley's a strength coach at OU now. Damn. Yeah. I saw a picture, but I didn't know it because you know Benny was like in reality TV for a while. Yeah. Like Benny's on a lot of. Yeah, I saw got him like on a, TV somewhere. I yeah, was just googling. A, where did I see? There yeah, are he's got uh, a business where it's like uh, the site. What is it? The cryo chamber. Yeah. Business or something there's like uh, that. there's he's guy, a very eclectic guy. There's guys that played at Texas during that time that talk to him now. They don't necessarily have a very high opinion of. Uh, Benny Wiley. Yeah, in terms Benny of the was job. very. Yeah, it was like eclectic. Eclectic's a good way to put it. Oh right? yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you're but crazy. This yeah. to, to the point. This isn't about. This isn't just about 
you know, the strength program being in shambles. And Pat Moore did a lot to clean it up, but it had miles to go before it's on the level of, you know, when Alabama or an LSU or a Georgia in terms of yeah. where their strength, Ohio State, where their strength programs are. This is also about this staff missing detail, you know, not missing details. And when people hear fans, why do guys have to hydrate? Why is it? Why are they stressing stuff like stretching and sleeping, making meals mandatory? You got to run if you miss a meal. This is why this you're eating right, you're sleeping right, you're hydrating, Less you're stretching. In, yeah. Have you noticed? Knock it's on Tom Brady, man. Have it's you noticed? Knock on wood. Yeah. Since Tom Herman's been here, how many groin pulls have we heard about? How many hamstring pulls yeah, have we heard soft about? Soft tissue injuries, calf injuries. Yeah. You know, and those things yeah. are because directly injuries. correlated yeah. a lot yeah. of the time to the yeah. strength. All those condition. injuries that we've heard about Tom Herman come during the season, during actual games and stuff like that. Yeah. Guys getting hurt, which is that's that's football. But I, it's the Tom Herman philosophy. This is new age. It's Tom, yeah. it, not sorry, Tom Brady philosophy. Mm. Like Tom Brady yeah. is a freak about this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. man. And now people are realizing this dude may play till he's like forty. 44 or something crazy. You know what I mean? This dude may play. Right. Yeah. Like, so like, close to he's going to outlast Phil Dawson. And it's all because he's a freak about what he eats, what yep. he puts in his body. Like, he just doesn't eat cheese and doesn't eat, like, sugar. Nope. It's, it, it, but it's actually the little small things have paid huge dividends. And, right, that's that's the point. That's that's the Tom Herman philosophy, too, because it's not necessarily about it, – it's changed from – you know, you mentioned, like, what the hell are you doing a thousand-yard shuttle for? You know, back in the day with Matt Dog. Probably What's that not. all about? It's not necessarily, but like you said, it was a lot about the old mentality. It's not necessarily about working, working Mm -hmm. quote unquote harder. Break them down. It's about working smarter and maximizing your time. And and these coaches stressing the guys, hey, we're not going to be there to hold your hand to make sure you're going to eat every meal. So guess what? If you don't make if you don't make dinner, that's fine. You'll just pay for it tomorrow after workout. Yeah. If you're not hydrating. When you know we do a urine test, that's fine. If you're not hydrated, you're just gonna pay for it after work. Yeah. When we do yeah. a urine test, that means actually going in and looking at the color of the urine, not other urine tests. If your if your bottle if your bot if your water bottle's not full, that's okay. We'll just make sure you pay for it after workout. No, I'm. I, I mean, I and I didn't have Bring you know this. One, we we laughed at this kind of stuff. I was still eating Jack in the Box and yeah. Taco Bell when I was playing at Old Forty Acres. You know what I mean? But now looking back, these guys are a little bit more enlightened about it. I think Tom Brady's doing a lot to kind of spread the awareness and oh, to get Tom. rid of some of the ignorance about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, Huge. that guy's playing. And he's actually a living example of, yep. if you do it right, man, you're, you're, if you treat your body right, you can get a lot more out of it. Look at and football players are notorious for just dogging their bodies. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Because they have this self-destructive mentality. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great move by Tom Herman. Yep. We're seeing it right yeah. now in the NBA, too. That was the same mentality of a ton of NBA players for a long time. They'd always party out yeah. until the next now you got LeBron's a machine, Sleeping the best hours he's ever been. Sleeping 10 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. In high, cryobaric chambers in the plane that he yeah. brings with him. All right, more spring football talk on the show next week, but we have got to get the heck out of here because Rod B has a, has a show to do on his right. own. So, uh, Matt, thanks for everything. Oh, you are more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Thank you, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, AM 1260, and The Horn Apple. You can hear Rod B each and every weekday from 1 to 3 on the Rodcast. Same as fuck. And thanks to Matt, you can get us on iTunes, tune in, and get every episode on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.